God bless you all, and welcome to Core 242 Podcast with Pastor Max and Pastora Trish. Join us as we study the Word of God. All right, so again, t- today we're going to continue the work of the Holy Spirit that is in us. Uh, we talked about last time that the Holy Spirit, that we, we first we need to uh, have the relationship with Christ, that He has to be our Lord and Savior for the Holy Spirit to come in. We talked about the emptying that he can come in. Remember, we talked about the temple. The temple is just a temple of the Lord. You know, there was a seal of the temple that's going to be the Lord's temple, but when he, then he comes and fills it, right? So it's just all those, all those things that we need to remember. So today we're going to talk about repentance. And it, it's, it's really interesting. We, we hear repentance so many times that when we think of repentance, we think about apologizing, right? I repented. I'm sorry I did this. And as we looked and dove into um, the study of it, we looked at, especially in Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks about repentance a lot. And when you study Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. He tells everybody how bad Israel is doing, how they're going to get punished unless they're going to repent. And unless they're going to repent, unless they're going to repent. You guys are doing something bad, you need to repent. And when you repent, he will see it. But the interesting aspect of it, that we looked at it, the the word uh, in Hebrew for for repent means to return to. Mm-hmm. It's not to confess, it's not to apologize, but to return to. And we're going to dive into today with this aspect of repentance is not just the apology, but it's ter- turning from the negative thing that you were doing, the sin that you were doing, and going to the positive thing, which is to the Lord. And I was talking to Trish, it's like, it just kind of makes so much sense. It's kind of one of those things, like, if uh, there's a, um, if you're doing something ne- negative, like, for example, uh, I'll use me, a lot on my phone, right? And my wife's like, stop using, using the phone so much. Me just stop using the phone, it's not repentance. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But me stopping using the phone and giving more attention to her now it's a repentance. I'm going from something that was negative, and then I'm turning that, that incident into something positive. I'm turning to her. So for us, when we are, we're being confronted by the sin, and we repent from the sin, it doesn't mean that we just stop the sin. Now we need to turn around and go towards God. That, that's, that's, where, that's where it's the important aspect of it, of not just apologizing. There's got to be more. There's got to be that turn to the positive aspect. Right. So the the bigger picture, right, is as we go through our core catalysts of the things that God put on our heart to learn, uh, for for those of you who weren't with us last week, not sure if everyone listened to the teaching that gives this context, but we have an understanding that as we love God, as we learn to love the church and and be devoted to even our own transformation into the world, God's intention is that his dwelling would be among us, right, would be within us. And so we are designed that God doesn't live in temples made by human hands. He doesn't live in the church building. He doesn't live in a temple. God dwells, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so our responsibility is to cultivate, to create a space where the Holy Spirit feels welcome, where the Holy Spirit can be at home, a space where, where God's presence can dwell among us. With that being said, we had four steps, the first one of which was to repent. Now, I want to give a very, very strong word, like as my husband was saying, of caution. We hear the word repent, 
And when you think of it in the context of so many things that we've been taught, which is that we've been bad and we are evil and God is an angry God. And so you have to say you're sorry. And we're trying to avoid punishment, right? There's so much heaviness and guilt and shame and toxicity that comes with that. But the biblical image, right? We talked a couple weeks ago about when we talked about celebration, about the prodigal son, that God is just waiting for us to come home, right? So the issue of repentance means to turn. So the prodigal son, the father never changed. The father never stopped loving the son. The father never turned his face away. The father never stopped looking for him. It was the son who turned to other things and chased after other things. And so repentance is when the son says, comes to his senses and says, what am I doing? And the son is the one who then turns and comes home. So we have to take off the weight. God is not this wrathful God who's looking to punish us. He, you know, if, if we, if one of you said, you know, I'm going to get up on the roof and I'm going to jump off, right? We would try to say, don't do that. Cause if you do that, it's going to kill you. Or you're at least going to break your legs. Like you're going to get hurt. Now, if you don't listen to that and you climb up on the roof and you jump off in spite of my warning to try to stop you, then when you fall and break your legs, you turn and say, why did you do this to me? (laughs) Right? But this is what we do with God. Like there's consequences to our decisions that in this world, because all of humanity has free will and, and the consequences are not only brought by us, it's brought by others, right? Because everyone has free will. So when we look back at our life and we're like, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? You know, why did you allow me to be abused? Or why did you allow this? Or why did you, it is the corporate, corporate sin that allows these things to perpetuate. If I am selfish, the people around me will feel neglected. If I, right. So part of the dynamic of God giving us free will is that not only do we suffer the consequences, but the people around us also suffer consequences. So part of repentance, which is what we're going to talk about today, is not just apologizing, but it's that idea biblically of making peace with God, but also making peace with others. Mm -hmm. And Jesus even says, right, that with the measure you use, like if you forgive, then you'll be forgiven. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, you know, for, we, we're supposed to forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And that's why, because we don't only have the direct consequences of our sin. All of humanity is living under the consequences of our collective sin. So we need to repent not only individually, but corporately. Does that yeah. make sense? But we really need to unpack this idea of God is this vengeful, wrathful, and and we have to try to do something to appease his anger because that that is not the truly biblical picture even what Christ did on the cross is not that Christ somehow took the brunt of God's anger right that's that's not the picture so there's a lot to just it's a lot, it's a lot. so we want to take it slow and it's going to be over the next few weeks but we need to have a better understanding of God's design of what is sin, what is repentance, like what are we repenting from, right? Mm. Uh, Like my husband was saying, if I'm upset because he's on his phone, he might just be like, I'm not a kid. Like, why are you controlling me and telling me like, you're putting limits to how much I could be on my phone and he's missing. So he could be like, I'm sorry I was on my phone. That's not the point. The reason I'm upset you're on your phone is because we are missing out 
on that intimate relationship. We're missing out yeah. on family yeah. time. We're missing yeah. out on... See what I'm saying? So if we don't understand sin, then we don't understand repentance. Yes. If we don't understand that what God is upset about is the breach in relationship, then we'll be apologizing for being a bad person, a bad kid, and that's not what it is at all. He's like, I just want you. Wow. Like, I want your heart. Like, I, you are the most important thing to me. I would die for you. And yet you chase after these other things, right? And that's where repentance comes in is I have made all these other things more important than you. And all you wanted was my presence. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to look today at, at the story of David. David, after he kills his best friend and sleeps with his best friend's wife. <laughs> right. Sleeps with his wife, then kills him. Yeah, it was the other way. Good yeah. point. Sleeps with the wife. Sleeps with Bathsheba and then kills Uriah in order to cover it up. Yep. So that, that is in Second Samuel chapter 12. But more importantly, we want to also look at Psalm 51, which was written. We know that David, because God is the same. It's not like God changed that he was this vengeful, wrathful God in the Old Testament. And now he's like gracious. He's been the same. It's just our view of him that has changed. So if David was a man after God's own heart, then we can learn something about both sin and repentance by watching and reading the story about David. Yeah, and just to not to walk away from that, I think it's a very important because I do hear it all the time from Christians and non-Christians. Like, oh, that's the Old Testament God, and now there's a New Testament God because of Christ's love and forgiveness and grace. Mm -hmm. And as you you read the Old Testament, and it's going to be a blessing for us as we're reading through the Bible together, is seeing how how much grace and mercy and patience um, God shows to his people and there he's always just repent come back if my people humble themselves if my people come back to me if my people and you see it through the life of Israel where they they one king comes and he's like oh I love God and he does everything right and then the next king comes and he puts up all these idols and everything else and then next king comes and he does everything right. And they go up and down and there's favor of the Lord upon them. And then there's consequences. And then there's and it's over and over. But you see how patient and how loving this God is in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. That, you know, is, is just amazing. And we, we need to realize that he's always there. He's from the beginning to the end. It's, it's the, when we just read in Genesis after the fall. He says you will be punished and, and everything else, but he says that the heel of your offspring will, will squish, even though he will get bitten, right? Mm-hmm. He, but he's like, but there's still freedom. There will be victory. And this mm-hmm. has happened on day two, right. <laughs> whenever, whenever, right. that day, whenever it happened, you know what I mean? But right away, God already planned, even in the uh, casting him out of, uh, out of the garden, he already had a plan how he's going to, Bring him back. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and we talked about that in the women's study. I don't know. The, the men weren't there for that. When we looked at Genesis, to relook at that story that even when God kicks them out of the garden, it's to protect them. Yeah. Right? Because they had chosen the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if they had eaten from the tree of life, we would have been stuck in this sinful world forever. Yeah. And so he cuts them off. Right? And and it's when for those of us who are parents, like... If you put a plate of cookies in front of your child and then you leave the room and you say, like, don't touch those cookies, 
and then but you make the kids sit there in front of the cookie like you know it's coming like the god of the universe created all everything in six days and then left us with the cookie jar and said don't eat it like you it's we give ourselves too much credit as if we could somehow by eating some piece of fruit unravel the universe like yes it was it's horrible and yes the effects are catastrophic but God is like, he's still in control. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he's like, I knew this was going to happen. I knew you were going to do this. And I already have it all planned out, which is why when the curse happens, like you said, he's, he gives the prophecy of the seed of the woman will crush the head of the snake and the snake will crush his heel. It's a, it's already a foretelling of the coming of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So God already had that plan literally from the first day. And, and that's where the trust comes in. So there's certain rules that are in place. There's consequences, but those consequences are not to punish us. They're meant to deter us from doing things that we shouldn't do, right? You, God says, he, he puts things out. He says, I put before you today blessings and curses. He wants us to choose the blessing, but we consistently choose the curse. And then we look at God and shake our fists and say, you know, why are you so mean? Like, why would you let this happen? <laughs> He's like, that's like, you know, we have the fire. If, if it was a real fire, we know that fire is hot and you say, don't touch it or you're going to get burned. But yet we go and we touch it and we get burned and then we get mad at the fire. The fire is just doing what fire does. We have to come in the proper way. We have to come, you know, with Gloves. with a glove or with tongs or with whatever. And so the journey of the Old Testament is God is teaching his people. I'm an all consuming fire. I want to be in your presence, but if you get close, it's going to burn you. So you need to come to me a certain way. Not because he's horrible. It's just, it's his nature. And it's not that God can't handle evil. God can be in the presence of evil. Evil cannot be in the presence of God. And if we are evil at the core, if we are sinful at the core, when we get too close to God, it will destroy us. Not that God is actively striking us with lightning. This, this is the imagery. Again, we have to kind of just unpack that because I think we've been so ingrained, especially if you've been in the Catholic Church, there's this imagery of this angry, wrathful God, right? It's, it's just the law of who God is. God is a holy God. He's an all-consuming fire. And so we need to, if we want to be temples of the Holy Spirit, we need to create a space where the Holy Spirit can dwell without it destroying us, right? Without him destroying us, mm-hmm. without his presence destroying us. So it starts with repentance. Not because you're some terrible person and God wants to strike you with lightning, but because God wants to dwell with us. But if we don't come the right way, we won't be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. We won't be able to handle his presence. You guys with us still? Yeah. That was a lot. Mm-hmm. We know that. So we can just pause and we can have some discussion before we actually get into the word if you want. We can just pause then. So Second Samuel chapter 12, it starts in verse 7. So Nathan confronts David after he, after he has an affair with Bathsheba and then kills his, his good friend. Nathan confronts David and says... This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the entire house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, 
I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah to be your own. The Lord says, out of your own household, I will bring calamity on you. Before your eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you. He will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did this in secret, but I will do this in broad daylight before all of Israel. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So the story goes on, but we're just going to pause there. So in this situation, God like specifically explains, I did like, I've given you this and I've given you this. and I've given you. So it's really just logical consequences, right? If we just think like David was a man after God's own heart and he had an affair and man, God is harsh. He kills the baby. Like, but that's not the story. God is like, I did this and I did this and I did this. I've given you everything and it's not. And if it wasn't enough, all you had to do is ask and I would have given you more. Yet you decided to do it yourself, your own way that it just, you know, and, and it's the injustice that God is like, now as a logical consequence, you will lose the things, right? It's not overreactive. It's not overly, it's, it's a logical consequence I gave you your master's house. I made you king. I, and since you did this, since you despised this, now those things will be taken, right? So we can just like pause with that. Uh, where And then David says, the Lord has taken away your sin and you will not die. Because at the start of this, when, when Nathan confronts him, he gives an allegory about a rich man and a poor man with a lamb, right? And the rich man takes the, the poor man's beloved lamb and slaughters it. And David burns with anger and says, as surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this deserves to die. So from David's own mouth, he didn't realize what a hypocrite he was being, but he says that the guy who did that over a lamb deserves to die. So then Nathan confronts him and he says, God will not, you, you are not going to die, but because you have made en- the enemies of the Lord show contempt, the son born to you will die. Again, tragic and sad. But trust. David's response, it, it's a breach of, yeah, of trust. And so David's response is where we can learn uh, about what repentance looks like. So I th- before we even go, we need to realize when we're, when we're sinning, we're, we're choosing, choosing something else than God. When we choose something, when we sin, we choose something else than God. We believe that this is better than, than my relationship with God. This is better than what God has given me. Just like here, God's like, I gave you everything, and you still chose to do something else. You know, so we need to, we need to um, understand that. Number two, we need to understand that in that sin, there's consequences, and those consequences are there on purpose. Just like we said, like if you touch fire, it burns you. Hopefully, after the first time, you remember that if I touch it, it hurts, I shouldn't do it. So if I'm sinning and I get caught... That there's that consequences there. There's a purpose for that consequence. So the next time you think twice of doing that because man, I got caught and this and this happened, right? I jumped off the building. I broke a leg. You know, there, there's con- so the consequences are not to punish you. The consequences is there so you don't do it again. Okay, that that's a very important aspect of it because woe is me. No, it's it's there to protect you. 
if 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 I if I'm driving, driving on the road and I hit the median, I can't be mad at the median because it scratched my car. No, it's there to protect you so you don't go into oncoming traffic or off the right. Right, and it's so important for us to understand that the atonement, God already right again John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son and Jesus as a as a willing sacrifice to to show us how much God loved us not as this wrathful but he so that no one would perish but we would have eternal life mm-hmm. because in salvation that I that verse from Isaiah that says you know in repentance and rest is our salvation right it's nuts right and God is the same yesterday <laughs> today and forever so Christ's work did not change the heart or disposition of God. Mm. It is to transform us. Man. Mm. Why have I never heard that before? No kidding. Why have I never heard that before? No kidding. So I'll read it this one more time. Isaiah thirty fifteen. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. So we don't need, right? And, and as you start to think, all the scriptures that say, I do not require sacrifices and burnt offerings. I don't... He, I don't require your dancing. And I don't need your feasts. In, in yeah. fact, in, yeah, and he says in, uh, in Amos, get away. I, don't, I despise your feasts. Mm-hmm. I despise your, your, music, your is- music cranked up loud and your dimmed lights and your fog machines and your stages. I, I want none of it. He says, I, I, want, I want your heart, right? I want justice. I want mercy. Mm-hmm. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Not that he's this, Amen. you know, with a whip. But because obedience leads us to life. Obedience leads us to transformation. But we would have none of it. So God is not sending anybody. But in our rebellion, we persistently just... And he's like, just turn around and come home. Just come home. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know that we're going to get into... uh... Step one. Step one. (laughs) (laughs) That was the introduction to... We made it a step one Uh, of seven. That was the preface of... Well, I can give a a quick spoiler and just read through the seven so that you guys can be prepared. Sure. So the first is that we recognize our sin. Okay. Another... Right. I know. That's what I'm saying. So another, another source explains... Uh, that the first step is culpability, that we acknowledge that we, that's, we did something that was hurtful and that we are at fault, right? The second is remorse, that we feel sad about that choice. The third step is confession, in which we bring our mistakes out into the open. And we studied confession as one of our as one of our disciplines, right? The fourth step is the apology, where we actually seek forgiveness to repair the relationship. The fifth step is restitution, where the offender who tries to undo the wrong and and realize that saying I'm sorry is not enough, right? The next step, the sixth step, uh, this one says soul reckoning, but it's a, 
turning inward. So it's, it's forgiving, forgiving others. So extending that same grace that was given to us towards others. And the last one, so we, we will be forgiven in, with the measure with which we forgive, right? And the last one is then to, to turn in obedience for transformation. So that's step seven. So we can look at, <laughs> like last time, we can look at, at Psalm 51. I would encourage you to read it, sit with it, unpack it, read more of Second Samuel chapter 12, um, just kind of dive into it. And, and hear what what the Lord says. Uh, we could, maybe we can just look at this for a little bit. So it says here in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12 that Uriah's wife uh, had borne the son and he became ill. And it says the elders of the household stood up, and, but the child on the seventh day died. And during that time... David was fasting and praying and he was in sackcloth and ashes and he was pleading with the Lord. After the child died, David noticed that the servants were whispering and realized the child was dead. So they told him, yes, he is dead. David got up from the ground. After he washed himself, he changed his clothes and went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house. They served him food and they ate. So again, Psalm 51 will look more at this repentance but these other things are the same biblical illustration that when we repent and we confess that Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we cleanse ourselves through baptism, right? And then God promises that he will give us, he will give us, he will wash our sin white as snow and that he'll give us new robes to wear, right? There's this imagery of the white linen, which there's a whole, a lot about that in scripture about the, the linen, the white linen. And then it says, and he went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. And then he comes home, and I love that it ends with a meal. And, and that's, that's communion, right? That's what Jesus is instituting is he's saying, I just want to sit down and, like, have a meal with you. Like, I just want fellowship. I just want a relationship. I just want, like, he's been saying it and saying it and saying it, but we're like that abused feral cat, right? That's, we just, we need, we need to really hear it. And we need to be in a safe healing community because our, our flesh is going to be like, no, that, that, that's too good. No, you know, it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> and, and as we start to see it, you'll, you can read scriptures differently and you're going to see over and over yeah. and over and over wow. that God is just like, I love you. You know, I, I have a place prepared for you. You know, my peace be with you. All of these things. And we're just, because we're in this sinful fallen world with that butterfly effect that not that our sin has caused the suffering, but all of our sin has caused such a collective traumatic environment that we, we can't find the Lord. We can't receive his love. Because we, we just don't even know what it looks like anymore. We're so full of fear. We're so full of bitterness, and right? And that's, again, going back to our journey. Our journey is not that we cast out demons and speak in tongues. And our journey is that we would find love, joy, peace, right? Patience. It's changing us right. from the inside out. Yeah.